Welcome to Locked On's 2023 NBA Mock Draft Special. The most comprehensive mock draft with local and national experts providing insight and analysis you can't get anywhere else. Don't miss a single pick as we discuss where the future stars of the NBA will call home. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the 2023 Lockdown NBA Mock Draft Special, the most comprehensive mock draft you'll find, and it got even bigger this year. The six-episode series will take you through the entire first round of the NBA draft with insight from all of our Lockdown insiders. You won't find anything like this anywhere else. Be sure to listen in to the Lockdown Networks of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Look, Throughout the special, you'll hear from our local NBA shows, many of our college shows that cover your favorite teams every Monday through Friday, our NBA draft experts and the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. And this year you'll get trade insight from our Locked On NBA insider, Howard Beck. Happy to be here hosting this year. I'm Kylan Mills, basketball host and analyst with the Pac-12 Network, NBC Sports Bay Area, as well as the co-host of the Locked On Warriors podcast. My co-hosts here on this show are the great NBA draft analyst and host of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, Rafael Barlow, and college basketball expert and the only host of the Locked On College Basketball <laughs> Well, podcast, Isaac Shade. I got that right, right, Isaac? Absolutely. I don't even know who Andy Patton is today. <laughs> no idea, right? So in episodes one through four, we broke down the first 20 picks in our Lockdown NBA mock draft. Now, before we get into the next best talent available, I'm curious, have either of you guys heard of, of some player named Keontae George? <laughs> talked about him a lot <laughs> so uh hopefully well, that's why i hate to ask like who's the next best player available because i feel like that name might come up but still we'll open it up to anyone else you guys have your eye on too <laughs> yeah we got to get keontae out the green room we got to yes. get him out the green room poor guy's just sitting there twiddling his thumbs uh, uh, will levis right like he is the will levis of will this levis. nba mock draft <laughs> All right. Well, aside from Keontae, who else do you have your eye on as we head into pick 21? Oh, man, there's I mean, it's such a talented draft that I think there's there's quite a few guys that that are available. A guy that I'm, I'm pretty high on is Marcus Sasser from Houston. I thought that he had a, a good year, even though it was, um, started off slow. But with his shooting, I think he can really help the team. Okay. I like I like Amari Bailey from UCLA, freshman that really came on later in the year. Noah Clowney, we started with a, an Alabama guy at the beginning of this draft. Uh, Clowney was the less heralded of the two. Really like him as well. All right. Well, we've just learned the Brooklyn Nets are supposed to be on the clock, but sound the trade alarm once again. A trade has been made. The Brooklyn Nets have traded the 21st pick and guard Patty Mills to the Utah Jazz in exchange for the 28th pick in the 2023 draft. You guys know Locked on Jazz host David Locke has been so proud of the day he's been having. He's just got to be thrilled. I would love to know what's going on in the war room. Uh, the spreadsheet. So we all got an Excel spreadsheet with who the picks were and, and you know, as they've been being made. And previously he said, in quotes, I have had the greatest day in the history of GMs. Do you guys still think that David Locke is on target with that comment? The history of GMs? Um, I don't know. Danny Ainge getting Jason Tate swap for a guy that he already wanted and then was able to get Philly to swap a trade. I think that was probably one of the greatest days. <laughs> I mean, you know, for folks, I mean, I like folks, but that was that was a great trade. Um, I'm thinking as a Blazers fan, LaMarcus Aldridge to the, to the Bulls for 
Victor Kriapwa and then then Tyrus Thomas. He, maybe he's in the top five, but those come to mind. Randy Foy for Brandon Roy. That was a great day as a GM also. It hinges right. on this pick, honestly. You know, we got these other two choices from the Jazz so far, and it for me, it's all where we go here. All right. Well, let's find out right now. The pick is in from David Locke of the Locked On Jazz podcast with the 21st selection in our mock draft. With already having Cason Wallace and Leonard Miller in our cachet for the day, we sat at the 28th pick and looked at what Brooklyn was doing, which was trying to shed money and decided to take Patty Mills' contract to help them get under the new collective bargaining agreement apron, but allowed us to move up in this draft back into the high 20s because one of the players that we had seriously considered at 12 was still on the board in Baylor's Keontae George. Now, this does cause a little bit of a log jam at the point guard position with Cason Wallace already picked with a 12th pick in the trade with Oklahoma City and now adding Keontae George, the point guard out of Baylor. These two players, similar kind of combo guards. Hopefully we can find a way to play them together. We already have Colin Sexton on the roster, so that will be interesting to see how this all intermixes. And we may have created a little bit of a logjam, but at some point in your development as a team, you just take the best players on the board. Keontae George, by far the best player on the board, having slipped to 21, and we pounced on it. Hey, hey, Woo! finally, finally, <laughs> are you guys how I guess how surprised are you? Because it seems like you guys have been advocating for George to come off sooner. How surprised are you that he would fall to 21? I'm shocked that he failed to 21, but uh, David Locke might have been on to something. He's yeah. he's put together a great draft class. Um, I think I mentioned on a, a previous episode that Keontae and, and Kaysen they grew up together in Dallas. Their birthdays are like one day apart. And for like, I'd say the majority of their lives, they spent their birthdays together. I forgot which one is a day earlier, but who's ever older calls the other one the younger brother. So <laughs> either way, I'm, I'm so glad that these two guys can play together. I'm glad Keontae's out the green room. And, and David Locke is the, is the MVP. What a, what a class. I mean, now David Locke is on cloud nine about all the trades, the players he's picked up in this draft. Let's hear from him and some of his reactions to the day he's having. I would like to point out that I've had one of the most remarkable trade days of all time. <laughs> Put it on the spreadsheet. Regular, regular Kevin Costner there. David. I mean, when locked on NBA big board grades this trade, yeah. I will be the winner. Or grades this draft. I got three players and my 2014 trade, 2024 pick back. Yeah, I'm not going to have to spend. <laughs> so, time yeah, I was going to say, what, what's your grade? What's your grade for David Locke right now, Raphael? <laughs> A plus. I, yeah. I, I don't know what the, you know what? Maybe there's some something going on behind the scenes because, you know, David Locke is the big boss that they're, they're picked away <laughs> for. <laughs> they're trading him picks for, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're trading in, but we might have to investigate that. Yeah, seriously. It was too easy for him. It was too easy for him. Yeah, Yeah, something going on here. And he did mention, I want to point out, this is his third pick in in the first round of the draft. And previously, uh, the Jazz took Kentucky guard Cason Wallace. They also added Leonard Miller out of the G League. Um, Now, I'm curious, Isaac, specifically about George. Um, You know, he's a skillful guard, but his athleticism closer to average for similar prospects in the NBA. Is his above-the-rim finishing or athleticism a concern 
Not to me in any way. By the way, it is Casey Wallace that's a day older, so Keontae George okay. is the baby brother here. Um, okay. No, uh, with with Keontae, I mean, he's got everything I, I want to see from him athletically to achieve at the NBA level. Um, yes, he is not the quickest. Here's how I'd say it, though, Kylan, is that he uses change of pace really well. Like, he understands his body. He understands how to shift mm-hmm. gears and go when he needs to. Um, and so I, I, I feel comfortable that he'll be able to to achieve what he needs to from an athletic standpoint. And we've talked about that in some previous episodes where it's like, yeah. if you know if you know how to use your body well enough, if you do have any slight deficiencies athletically, you can make up for that. I mean, Keontae, as um, Rafael has said previously, had that um, late season ankle injury. But man, prior to that, there was this five game stretch he had in early January. I went back and looked at all the numbers on it earlier. 23.2 points in that stretch, 6.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 48% from three, uh, all this stuff. The biggest uh, game in that stretch, he had like 32 at West Virginia, which kicked off, by the way, Baylor winning a stretch of 10 out of 11 games. And so as Keontae really started to find himself leading up to that injury late in the season, he was putting up just uh, like as he really understood and adjusted to the college game, in that loaded backcourt that we've talked about with LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler and others. And by the way, he kind of graded out as the better defender of those three guys per Evan Mia's stats. And so uh, I, I love what I see from Keontae George. I'm excited for this pickup for the jazz and David Locke and yeah, sure. Give him all his flowers. Yeah. I want to add that he's definitely a much better athlete than he's, I guess, been given credit for. One, the ankle injury slowed him down. And I had an interview where I talked to him about just, you know, the, the doubts about his athleticism. And he, he mentioned that athleticism is not all about just vertical jumping. It's how you move and, and elevation on your jump shot. But as a person that has followed him for years, and I actually showed it to somebody once, there's a video that I have of him jumping over somebody standing under the rim. And the thing I like about Keontae, about his game, is that it's not solely based off athleticism he's he's a guy that like he's like uh, Isaac said he changes directions and so on but he's he's athletic but another thing that I wanted to add is that this is like my opinion I kind of talked to him about it also he he agreed but he didn't want to say too much about it so I guess I'll say it for him <laughs> that he put on too much weight this season trying to bulk up for the big 12 the big 12 is a a league that doesn't have a lot of freshmen that come in and play I mean Two of their freshmen, their best freshmen are Grady Dick and Casey Wallace. Other than that, they weren't, the other freshmen really didn't contribute. So I think he bulked up too much preparing for um, the, the grind of playing in the Big 12 instead of just gradually, gradually putting on the weight. And since the season, he shed some weight and the athleticism and the pop is back. And then I was at his pro day in Chicago and he looked fantastic. So I just wanted to add a little, little context. That's good context about that Big 12 freshman of the year, man. Love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Is there any other freshman that, that played? I mean, I, I think played. Grady Dick would be the only other one who, like, there were other that played, but he would be the only one that was in contention for it for me. Yeah, sure. and then um, Dylan Mitchell, but he, I mean, he had a, a, much, smaller, yep. a much smaller role. Yep. And again, Glad he's coming back, by the way. I think that's a yeah. great decision yeah. on his part. Yep. Yeah. Big 12 is a veteran conference. There's not a lot of freshmen come in and get a lot of minutes there. So. Well, who better to tell us more about guard Keontae George than our Locked on Baylor host, Drake Toll. Let's hear from him. 
He's got a really, really high ceiling, and the floor at Baylor at times was rough. He had a great start to his year, but was injured later in the season for the Bears, and became basically a volume shooter. His percentages aren't great. His defense wasn't stellar, but at the same time, he has the takeover card. At any point in time, Keontae can explode. I'm Drake Toll from Locked On Baylor, and I'll tell you this much. You got a kid who's going to work really hard, play for his team, and be a stand-up guy in the locker room. He wasn't exactly what Baylor wanted. The expectations were so high, they were tough to live up to. He was a consensus lottery pick preseason and now has been on the fringe of that. So you got a guy who's got a lot to prove in Keontae George. And we'll see how he plays in the NBA. In terms of Keontae George, last question I have for you guys before we move on is just fit with the Jazz. I know David kind of mentioned who cares. It's a it's you know, he's a great athlete and a great asset to find at this point in the draft. But any in any way, how do you envision him uh, fitting in with the group Utah has right now? I think one thing I want to see him improve on is he actually had a negative assist to turnover ratio at Baylor last year, had uh, 95 turnovers to 91 assists. And I think to kind of crack that rotation um, and and be part of what's going on there, he's going to have to do a a better job taking care of the ball, which, you know, coming from that Baylor team that that is up and going and and doing things with those veteran guards, you would expect him to uh, have had a little bit more of that. And so that's something I'm going to want to see from him uh, as he gets to Utah in our locked on mock draft scenario. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Jazz upgraded their talent. I felt like they needed help at the guard spot, and they got two guys that can come in and contribute. I think Kaysen is a better offensive player than he's given credit for. He's kind of labeled as a defender. We know Kante is a a guy that can score, but like Isaac said earlier, he created out as a better defender than some of his his teammates. And so they get scoring punch, they get defense, they get help at the guard spot, they get rebounding with Leonard Miller. I mean... (laughs) David Locke, you won. I mean, it's hard to say. It's over. David Locke won the draft. David Locke won the draft. You heard it here first. Well, to find out more about George's fit with the Jazz, let's check in with Leaf Tulane of the Locked On NBA Big Board. At 21, the Jazz trade up and select Keontae George, a guy who once was thought to be a top 10 pick, falls to 21. Known for his scoring ability, scoring from the perimeter, great shot-making ability. His percentages don't indicate he's a good shooter, but I watched his pro day, and he was the best shooter that performed in a pro day, shot the lights out, has the ability to play both the one and the two, can develop in time with a team like Utah who has pieces and they're ahead of their rebuilding timeline but aren't ready to contend just yet for a title. He could really develop well, become a score of the ilk of maybe someone like Jamal Murray, who right now is changing a playoff series against the Lakers. Someone that he looks up to would be another one like Bradley Beal. Keontae George is one of the guys I think – should he hit has the possibility to be an all-star that won't likely be selected in the top 10. That's not something I rarely, uh, I typically say so high upside pick from the jazz here and they have the ability to cultivate and mold them to what they want playing alongside Lowry marketing and Walker Kessler. Great pick from the jazz. Praise just keeps coming in both for Keontae George and for David Locke. I mean, he's really getting this draft right. (laughs) All right. Well, before we move on to our 22nd pick, a lot of questions still in the air. The Nets are on the board next. Will they hold on to their pick? We already saw them trade one away. A lot of questions remain. Find out next as we continue our Locked On Mock Draft NBA special. This Locked On NBA Mock Draft special is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
It's easy to get caught up in what everyone else wants with just how fast paced our world is today. It's so important you take time to focus on what makes you happy. It's also important to focus on your mental health. It's something that's helped me a lot is stopping and just taking 10 to 15 minutes for myself every day. Therapy is one way that you can learn the tools to have more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Continuing our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special, the 22nd pick is going to be made by the Brooklyn Nets. The rebuild in full swing in Brooklyn with the Nets saying goodbye to both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant last season. Certainly a transitionary phase. Uh, now as they move forward, they could use another playmaker, in my opinion, besides a uh, guard Spencer Dinwiddie. Also, maybe some front and or some help rather in the in the front court. Curious as to what you guys see as being an area to address for the Nets. I'd say adding some size in the front court. I mean, they're a little thin. I mean, I like Nick Claxton a lot, but I, mean, yeah. I feel like he's a, a little thin there, especially if you want to try to make a, a deep playoff run. And I think that you need someone that has the size to match up with Embiid or even a, a Lopez or even a, like a, a Bam out of bio. So I would try to add some, some size there or at least someone that can bang in the paint and just provide some front court help. Okay, if we are looking at front court help, who's the next best available, Isaac? Ooh, for front court help. Ah, yeah. Maybe Trace Jackson Davis. We haven't really talked about him much. Yeah. I know he's a little bit of an undersized big, but man, he has these defensive instincts um, that allow him to block shots and rebound with bigger guys despite being a little bit undersized. So I, I might go there. He's a seasoned veteran guy, spent four years at Indiana. I'd look there. And you can make a case and say he is the most productive player statistically in this entire class outside of maybe Wimbayama. But other than that, I mean, as far as the, the points, the rebounds, the assists. No. Number blocks. three, number three all time in scoring at Indiana. Number one all time at Indiana in rebounds and blocks. I mean, at Indiana, one of the most storied programs in all of college basketball. Raphael's yep. right on with that. Yep, that's where I would go. All right. Well, the Nets see it the same way. Which direction will they go? Let's check in with Locked On Nets host Adam Armbrecht with his selection. The Brooklyn Nets entered the NBA draft with a very clear objective, shed salary and also add more young talent to help support the new Mikhail Bridges led era of basketball for the Nets. Now, they sent the 21st pick along with the Patty Mills contract to the Utah Jazz in exchange for the 28th pick. And with the 22nd pick, looked at a prospect that has been high on the board for Sean Marks, and that is one Ryan Rupert, international guard out of France. Now, he shows all of the overall agility, consistent lateral movement, and good footwork as a baseline for a prospect that you can develop. At six foot seven with a 7'2 wingspan, it affords him the ability to show off his good hands, being disruptive in passing lanes, and creating steal opportunities on the defensive end. He's not the most consistent shot from the outside, 
upside just yet at this point. And all the ball handling skills and playmaking are areas that he will need to continue to develop. But when we think about a player that has certainly shown an international ability playing in professional basketball games already in his very young career, whether or not the Nets choose to put him on the court from day one remains to be seen. But this was a prospect that certainly has all of the hallmarks of being a developmental piece that the Nets can be excited about moving forward. Okay, pick is in. Ryan Repair of the New Zealand Breakers off the board. A little bit different direction than you two are talking about. Repair maybe has the potential to be a 3 and D type player, even though Adam mentioned, you know, he could use some improvement in his outside shooting. <laughs> right now it's D and D, honestly. It's oh. defense and defense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so potential maybe for that. How do you see him adjusting to the NBA game, Rafael? Well, Ryan is another guy that I've spent a lot of time with in the, the past few months this spring. He did his training in Dallas. I did an interview with him that's on the Locked On NBA Big Boy YouTube channel, and you can listen to the podcast. What's very interesting about that is that the player that Ryan models himself self after is Mikael Bridges. That's the mm. player that he's been compared to the most. And what he's even mentioned is that with if Mikael was kind of put in a box as a 3 and D guy, in Phoenix, but then once you saw him with, with the Nets, he showed a lot more as, uh, as a scorer and, and, and a ball handler and a passer. And that's where Ryan feels like he can, where he can help out and where he's similar because in his first year playing professionally in Australia, they he was on a team that went to the NBL finals and he had to play a role as a defender. Now, the three is not there yet, but I will add context to it. He did miss, I think, two months of the season with a broken mm. hand. So that, and it was a shooting hand, so that definitely affects your shooting. But I'm, I'm sure, in, in reality, Ryan would be, would be thrilled to play with the player that he kind of modeled himself after and has been compared to. Wow. Interesting. That's really cool. Um, yeah, getting to pair up with Michael Bridges. So, Isaac, you mentioned D&D player. Uh, I guess if there are any Dungeons other... Dungeons and Dragons, you know? He loves right? It. Yeah, exactly. Dungeons and Dragons player. Okay, so outside of the outside shot, uh, what do you think is the most underrated part of Brian's game? That's what I'm going to ask you. Um, I, I think it's his willingness to kind of do anything. It's like, do you need me to get off? like that? Going back to Mikhail Bridges, it's like, man, I think even back to Bridges Villanova days, that's part of what made him so good was just the Swiss army knife nature of everything he was able to do. And with repair, I mean, I really felt like I know we're hammering on it, but his defense is disruptive enough to like take a team out of their offense. You put him on a, premier playmaker or wing whoever it is and just say stop shut off the valve and he'll make it happen he's one of those guys that I would absolutely love to have on my team but I would absolutely hate and detest playing against because it's like just leave me alone and let me catch the ball please dear goodness you know like those are the kind of players and and that's who he is to me There, there is there have been these like offensive flashes as Raphael was talking about um, that, that are very intriguing to me. But at this point, that's what that is, is more intrigue than consistent production. I think it can get there um, and, and I think it will. Raphael, I've, I've been curious to ask you about him. Is there any like Herb Jones level to him? I mean, maybe a little bit lengthier and wingspanier, but is there any of that in his game? Wingspanier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We're making our own words here on the show. I love yeah, well, it. You know, I'm just wordsmithing over here. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about the comparison, but I, I, I get where you're going there. 
because Herb is a guy that played a little point and just kind of a jack of all trades that does a little bit of everything and and was not a good shooter in his, his college career at, at Alabama. Never, and made yeah. a huge jump in the NBA and was probably the steal, arguably the steal of, of what was that, the 21 draft? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Draft. Yeah. And I never thought about that, but that, that does make sense where, where you're going. Um, only difference is we didn't get a chance to see Ryan, like, handle the ball and make plays like we saw Herb at Alabama. But if he ends up somewhere between Herb Jones and, and Mikel Bridges, then I think he's going to be a very productive NBA player for <laughs> right. a long yeah. time. Yeah, congrats to you, my Ryan Rupert. Right. That wouldn't be a bad place to land. Um, before we move on, I'm just curious, Raphael. So they didn't entirely add that front court depth we were looking for with this move. To me, like I said, I was looking for more of a playmaker in terms of a guard to bring in. Where does this leave the Brooklyn Nets uh, moving forward and what other moves they need to make to really, you know, elevate, elevate themselves as, as contenders post Kyrie and Kevin? KD. Well, they have what every, not every, but most teams want. Most teams want wings, wing depth, guys that can shoot and defend. And it seems like between the Nets and the Toronto Raptors, <laughs> they, they have them all. I mean, I look at a team like Dallas, would love to have one of those guys. Or even, you know, Miami would love to have their wing size. So I think with, with this addition, the Nets could play or, or, or make a trade to move one of their veteran wings for some help either mm. at the point guard or in the front mm -hmm. court, then slide repair into their rotation. Okay, well, to find out how repair could help the Nets, here is Richard Stamen of the Locked On NBA Big Board. Ryan Repair in Brooklyn feels like a match made in heaven. Brooklyn has back-to-back -back picks, giving them opportunity to both fill for need and fill for upside. Ryan Repair is a long, very long wing. He's measured at 6'6 without shoes, 7'2 wingspan. So that's a plus 8 wingspan, which is elite. Put him next to Mikhail Bridges, who has very similar measurements and is a monster on defense. Let him grow under him. And at, at the worst case scenario, if the Nets move off of Mikhail Bridges at some point and get large assets for him, they have Ryan Repair to fall back on. So I really like this. He has some point guard skills. The jump shot's a work in progress all offseason so far, the last month and a half. I know he's been working a lot on that jumper, so I'm confident in that happening and developing down the road. For me, it's a win, not if, but he's got to get a little bit more comfortable with his body. I think he's still growing into it. He turns 18 at the very end of May. It's a lot to like with this. This is a great pick for the Brooklyn Nets. All right, great pick for the Nets in the books. Up next in our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special, the Portland Trailblazers back on the clock with a 23rd pick. Now keep in mind, the Blazers selected forward Brandon Miller out of Alabama with the third overall pick in the draft. They got a really nice piece to add in. I mean, it ended up kind of working out because there were some questions surrounding how Scoot Henderson would possibly pair up with Damian Lillard, if assuming they keep Dame, I don't know. Um, what direction do they go with this pick? I mean, I think the Blazers are another team that can use some front court depth. And Trace Jackson Davis is a guy that I think could help, um, especially behind Nurkic. And rebounding. And he's a phenomenal passer. I think he's a very, very underrated passer. And I think there's value for guys that can rebound, block shots, and find cutters. I mean, we've seen it with, with Denver. Not everybody's Jokic, of course, but we've seen the value of having a big man that can catch the ball at the elbow and find a cutter so I, that's where I would go um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Portland try to add some more shooting and some wing depth yeah. 
Who's the best available then, Isaac? What do you I think? Would, if it's the wing depth with shooting, give me Dariq Whitehead out of Duke who has tumbled because another one of these guys that's fallen because of injuries at, at, in college last season. But, man, uh, wing shooting, Raphael said it. That's my guy right there. Give me Whitehead for that spot. I'm curious, Raphael, I mean, should the Blazers be bringing in a couple of young players in the draft? I mean, do you see trading away this pick being a good option for the Blazers? Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. I don't know what type of veteran you're going to get for the 23rd pick. I mean, you may have to package it with something else. Um, but they have Brandon Miller, which, again, I think that's a very good pick. I think he's going to come in and contribute there. And honestly, I mean, as a person that is a Blazers fan, <laughs> unless there's a yeah. deal with, with one of the wings for, like, the Nets or maybe the Raptors. Like Cam, go get Cam Johnson. Man, he's kind of blown up since he went to Brooklyn. Yeah, and, you know, Cam Johnson was a guy that the Suns were criticized for drafting on fit as opposed to upside, which I wonder now looking back at it, our team's going to be like, you know, it's, it's okay to draft a guy for fit that high in the draft. And that's something that I, I would do. So if, if I'm the Blazers, I, I'd explore trade, but I'd be fine with, with, with the way they're going. I just don't know if there's going to be somebody that can come in in with, with this trade package that could help them get past the Denver Nuggets next year. Yeah, well, who else is going to be getting past the Denver Nuggets? I mean, they're looking like a, a very dangerous team at this point with the season they just had. All right, well, they haven't traded the pick, apparently, because the pick is in. Who knows? There could still be movement after they make the pick. But let's check in with Locked On Blazers host Mike Richmond to find out his selection with our 23rd pick. At 23, the Trailblazers are going with Max Lewis from Pepperdine, a shooter who did a whole lot of losing and a whole lot of bucket getting out there at Pepperdine. 14 wins in his two seasons in college. Yikes. But also his catch and shoot numbers off the charts. He finishes around the rim over 60%. The dude is a bucket from all three levels. He's 6'7", a little skinny frame for the NBA right now, but someone who can score and has size at that spot is what everybody wants as far as I know, potentially a lottery level talent here back in the draft, back half of the first round. This is a good deal and a worthy risk on a player that if he gets in the right spot in a pro system has a lot of tools to be a very special talent. All right. How about some West Coast Conference love here for it? Forward Max Lewis off the board. Now, Lewis put up some impressive numbers at Pepperdine, shooting 47, 36, 79 his last season. Rafael, how does that help this Blazers offense? I mean, Portland needs shooters and Max got off to a tremendous start. The numbers that he finished with, I mean, they were solid, but I would say for like the majority of the season, they were significantly higher than that. And mm -hmm. I know it sounds like I'm, I keep saying the same thing, but I spent some time with Max <laughs> at, at the combine. <laughs> you spent a lot of time with a lot of players, Raphael. My goodness. When do you see your wife? <laughs> All the time. But no, I mean, I just, I'm, I really want to get at this and try to build as many relationships and interview guys and allow them to put things in, in, in context. And so um, the thing about Max is he, I think that if he went to another school, he'd be someone that was higher. They mentioned that he did a lot of losing and he told me like during the interview process, that's literally all teams are asking him about is the record. They want to make sure he's not a guy that just put up big numbers on, on a losing team. But he's up to 207. He started off 
at the, this, the whole pre-draft process at 192, got up to 207, shoots lights out, and I think that he could help Portland. What do you think, Isaac? I mean, do you think there are concerns based on the fact that he came from Pepperdine or that he got overlooked at all? No, I don't think so. I mean, in fact, he was somebody that considered going straight into the draft out of high school, ended up just taking uh, like a year off to work and draft prep, ended up going to Pepperdine instead of entering into the draft. And so, um, no, I mean, it. It's awesome. It's great. Also, if anyone's concerned, it's the Pac-12 because now the West Coast Conference has somebody drafted before the Pac-12 does in our mock draft year. Uh, but no, I mean, despite the fact that it's Pepperdine, he was sixth in scoring in the West Coast Conference. As Raphael said, started off. I mean, if we if we cut the season off at like two thirds, those numbers would have been higher. I love his ability to create for himself, get his own shot. He's got good length. He's really fluid, and and I love to see that from some of these guys that are in that like six five six six and higher like do you look more like a robot or do you look like an athlete and a basketball player and he has just that body fluidity that i want to see and um so yes take off pepperdine and put any high major jersey on him and he would do just fine like if he stayed in college and transferred up as we often talk about going up to the high major level he would have slotted in just fine into somebody's starting lineup this year and so um, you know, it's one of those where it might be, hey, congrats to the Trailblazers for nabbing him here at the back end of the first round rather than seeing him go higher if he had stayed in college and gone somewhere else. Yep, and he put up those numbers facing double teams every night. I mean, we've yep. talked about him. Because has got nothing. <laughs> yeah, on, on a good team. And so he had mentioned to me that he just saw how differently teams are guarding him as after – the, the non-conference schedule. So I think that played a role in the dip in his numbers, which his numbers were still very, very productive. Yeah, it's interesting you guys say he had so much higher numbers earlier in the season. To me, like 6'7", you're shooting 47, 36 even still, you can be a floor spacer uh, if you shoot like that in the NBA. So the fact that he could even have a higher ceiling um, certainly is a good sign. Now to find out more about Lewis's skill set, let's go to Andy Patton of Locked On College Basketball. For the second year in a row, a WCC player not from Gonzaga finds themselves selected in the first round of the NBA draft. Can Pepperdine's Maxwell Lewis repeat the amazing success from Jalen Williams at Oklahoma City last year? I'm Andy Patton, the host of the Locked On College Basketball podcast. Lewis averaged 17 points per game as a sophomore last year. The Pepperdine team really struggled, but he was outstanding. He was a 35% three-point shooter, showcased a ton of ability to get to the rim to score in a variety of different ways. He has length. He has otherworldly athleticism. The questions about him involve how he can impact the game on the defensive end of the floor. You hope that that athleticism translates at that level, although he didn't look particularly great on that side of the ball while at Pepperdine. But the offensive creativity, creativity the shot making, the ball handling creation, all of that stuff should lead him to a very solid NBA career. Okay, Isaac, I'm curious, is defense the biggest concern or, do you, or what is the biggest weakness in Lewis's game right now? Yeah, from what I've seen, uh, defense would be the thing that keeps him from moving into a potential starting type role. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it would be something that would hold him back from getting minutes right now because mm -hmm. of his ability to score. 
But yes, I would say it probably is his most glaring weakness because he's filling out the stat sheet in other ways too, which is encouraging to me. Like he made a jump of almost doubling uh, his total amount of rebounds this year or rebounds per game. Same with assists. Um, block shots are up. Turnovers were up this year as well. Uh, I, I, I haven't done enough depth on Lewis to know if that was a product of those double teams that Raphael was talking about. Like a lot of time, you know, if you're just slow on your decision making out of double teams and stuff like that. But yes, I would say double T or excuse me, defense would be the biggest like yeah, head scratcher right now. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, it, it's it's definitely something that he's going to have to address. But I feel like he has the physical tools to where he can be a good defender. It's just a matter of, one, I mean, has he been forced to play defense? And another thing I want to add is that he told me that he's just started playing basketball at 14. Which, <laughs> in this era, guys are playing basketball at, you know, six and, and seven. Yeah. So he still has a, a high upside on both ends of the floor because he's, he's only been playing for about six years. That's honestly, it's crazy when you hear those stories about players who are now in the NBA that didn't start playing till high school. Because like you said, now with how competitive it is here in the States, especially at the youth level, like I know you were telling me, Raphael, parents are in there, you know, going crazy, screaming at these AAU games. We're talking a little bit about youth sports before, you know, (laughs) before we were recording. It's interesting when you have the players who started later on. Brandon, yeah. uh, another WCC guy that's in that same boat is Brandon Pajemski, who I think started in like eighth grade uh, and is is potential to get drafted here late in this first round or early second. So there you Illinois go. Illinois made a mistake. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Illinois made a big mistake late again. Yeah. Isaac's smiling. Anymore. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> well, nice try, Brandon. Out- yeah, to find out more about Lewis's fit in the NBA, here's Leaf Tulane of our Locked On NBA Big Board. At 23, the Portland Trailblazers select Maxwell Lewis of Pepperdine, a guy who thrived in the WCC, had a tough finish to the season, but the skills are undeniable. Long, rangy wing who was forced into action playing with the ball, scored 17 points per game, six rebounds, three assists, able to do it all. And recently, I heard Rafael Barlow, an esteemed colleague of mine and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies, head host of Locked in NBA Big Board, raving about him after his workouts saying this guy is going to become a star well he's on Raphael's Portland Trailblazers and the fit is interesting he can play without the ball because they've got a plethora of guards namely Damian Lillard you got Shaden Sharp developing and Anthony Simons kind of taking the Batman role in this draft you've already got Brandon Miller so he's able to develop without much pressure and you can cultivate a really good on-ball scorer who can be a tertiary player as a creator a scorer someone who can space the floor pretty well Maxwell Lewis is a good shooter not a great shooter shot and 79% from from the free throw line 35% from three play with the ball in his hands I'm curious to see his adaptation to the NBA as a rangy scorer from the Pepperdine Waves all right, Raphael getting a little shout out. You've been letting everybody know about Max Lewis, apparently. Esteemed, esteemed <laughs> yeah. colleague, my man. Yeah, and you're not just any colleague, esteemed Isaac. I haven't heard any mention of you like that from your counterpart, Andy. What's going on? Well, you know, Andy, Andy just doesn't recognize the game, but that's okay. He'll see it one. No, I'm just, listen, Andy is the more esteemed of our, our duo. He is the more uh, demure and wonderful man. I'm just, I'm just the uh, comic relief over there on college basketball. Payola, just drop a little cash app and they'll give you. 
<laughs> they'll give you all the accolades that you pay for. But I, 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 I appreciate the shout out. But um, Leaf was in Chicago at, at the combine, and um, right after I left Max's workout, I was telling him that the guy shot the ball extremely well. He shot the ball so well at his workout that his but the person that is handling the, the entire draft process for him was so confident that he asked me to send the raw footage, not the edited version, the raw footage. I and that's it. what he's sending out it. to teams to show that it's not just, you know, cut up. Because, you know, anybody can look good. I'm a videographer. Anybody can look good in a workout, especially when you're, you know, nobody misses on a highlight video. Editing, so yeah, exactly. You're editing a highlight, yeah. That he sent out the raw, like, whole hour video to teams. So that's how well Max has shot the ball. Wow, that's that's impressive. And now you're one of our esteemed colleagues. Very proud to call you an esteemed that's colleague, true. Rafael Barlow. Gold uh, esteemed. I got big shoes. Yeah, with, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, you better live up to the hype here. I'm trying. <laughs> and you are doing exactly that. All right, well, up next, the Sacramento Kings going to be on the clock here shortly. But we're hearing the phones are ringing off the hook. We've already had a number of trades through the first mm. uh, many picks mm. and, and through this episode even. So let's find out, will there be more trades to come? That's up next on this episode of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special. This Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special is brought to you by FanDuel. If you're watching your favorite sporting event, maybe you want to make it a little bit more exciting, throw a little bit of extra skin in the game. FanDuel is the thing you want to do. You can place all kinds of picks and bets on different games, different players. I personally had so much fun playing FanDuel throughout the NBA Finals. My money was on Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, and I won pretty big. Now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action that's America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're going to keep it rolling here in our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special. The 24th pick will be made here shortly by the Sacramento Kings. I'll tell you guys what, Golden One Center was absolutely rocking during their first round playoff appearance. I mean, the Kings are undergoing a renaissance. They made the playoffs for the first time since 2006, played a really strong series against the Warriors falling in Game 7. The Kings had the highest scoring offense in the NBA during the regular season, 24th in defensive rating. Rafael, do they go after a defender here? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, with the success of their season, they can pick on need over mm -hmm. best player available. So I would go with need. And so do you think defense is the biggest need? And who do you like in terms of trying to help in that regard? Uh, yeah, I mean, at, the, at this point, defense is... <laughs> you know, I mean, Isaac, made, <laughs> Isaac probably knows where I'm going here. Chris Murray might be the best defensive player available. And he just happens to be the twin brother of the guy that they selected in the top five last year. Yeah. So um, I don't know if they would go in that direction. But if you're just going off of a guy that can come in and contribute on the defensive end, especially that can defend multiple positions from the three and the four, then Chris Murray is the best player available. Well, and I like it because, you know, for the Kings, it's like we've had this young core for so long that's been growing up together. 
And what I like about Chris Murray is he's someone that, as we've talked about multiple times throughout our mock draft, is ready to kind of step in and help yep. right now, even though he's going to be a rookie. He's probably like not that much younger than De'Aaron Fox. I'm trying to think about like how old Fox would be, you know, like maybe three or four years younger. And so uh, I think Murray would be able to do some of those things, would also benefit. And we'll we'll talk about this whenever it is that Murray comes off the board. But um really kind of had a letdown this past year when he was the focal point of Iowa's offense had really blossomed when he didn't have to be the dude when he was like third or fourth option the year before and so that would make the Kings a great spot for him if they do go after him do you think he had a letdown 20 points nine rebounds well, sorry letdown in percentages I should say yes his his counting stats went up but the efficiency yep. went down yeah, the three-pointers did. I think the yes. field goal percentage was around the same, but three-point percentage definitely dropped about 5%. Yep. Now, when I watched a little bit just of uh, Chris Murray, he reminds me of Keegan Murray in some so? aspects of his game. No, yeah, no, really? No. really? See, I think so. Yeah, you got that smooth athleticism. I was going to ask you guys, do you see any similarities between the two t- twins in terms of how they play? Um, or just the looks? <laughs> well, one is left-handed, one is right-handed. Right, he's and, a lefty. Um, yeah. Chris is I, Chris is a lefty, yeah. And when I, I went to their pro day last year, and the only way you could tell the difference just in a pro day setting was when they shot jump shots. I think mm-hmm. obviously Keegan is the better of the two, but I do think that there are similarities. Actually, at one point last year, some people thought that Chris was the better shooter mm-hmm. than than the Keegan as far as. Um, just been able to get hot, but I just feel like he was not as consistent. The percentages were kind of weighed off. He'll make, you know, five out of seven, two games, then he'll go on a cold streak. But I I think that there are similarities, obviously. But you know what I'm really thinking about? If they play together, think about the confusion (laughs) on, on like... (laughs) They look alike. They're twins, yeah. Think about the confusion as I got him where, you know, one cuts to the basket, two guys follow, and at least one of them. I'm starting to like Chris if he ends up in Sacramento. I'm starting to like that, but I think about it. Yeah, it's like you're riding his right hand, and all of a sudden, no, sir. Wrong one. Wrong one. All right, well, our 24th pick is in. Will our Locked on Kings host, Matt George, go that direction? Here he is with his pick. Hi, this is Matt George, host of the Locked on Kings podcast. And with the 24th pick in the NBA draft, the Sacramento Kings select... Chris Murray out of Iowa. Deja vu for a lot of people. Certainly looks the same. The identical twin to last year's draft pick, Keegan Murray for the Sacramento Kings. Chris Murray, come reunite with your brother in Sacramento and play for a team that finally made the playoffs, is out of the lottery, which is such a wonderful feeling in itself, and is looking to build upon last year's incredible season. What I like about Chris Murray uh, is that, for the most part, you know what he brings. He's a true three and D type player you can never have enough of those players and even if those uh, out there are are criticizing the Kings for making a selection like this because essentially it's a copy and pasted version of Keegan Murray without as high of an upside and as developed of of skills like shooting and and, uh, defense and and putting the ball on the floor and things of that nature Chris Murray comes in and fills a need for the Sacramento Kings the Kings can always use depth especially uh, wing depth people that can space the floor Chris Murray can do that and knock down shots 
He's an older prospect like his brother Keegan, so he can come in and contribute right away. He doesn't necessarily have to get as much playing time like Keegan needed to get playing time right out of the gate, but there will be expectations, I imagine, for Chris Murray should the Sacramento Kings actually take him, that he can contribute and become a part of the rotation or crack the Kings rotation pretty early on. Love this pick for the Sacramento Kings. I know Keegan would be excited about having Chris here. I asked him about that at the end of the season. He would not mind having Chris in a Kings jersey next to him. So Chris Murray, welcome to Sacramento in this ultimate mock draft. Looking forward to seeing what he and his brother can do to help the Sacramento Kings develop into one day a championship winning team. Okay. Well, apparently Matt George heard what you guys were talking or drank the Kool-Aid as well. Um, what do you think now that it's official, the twin brothers, the Murrays, back together in Sacramento? This is our first junior off the board, by the way, Kylan. Good to see some of the upperclassmen getting some love yeah. here. Um, and it is our second twin drafted in this mock draft, although obviously this time not a set as the Thompson twins. I wonder if there's ever been, I know there's been twins drafted in the same draft before, like the Thompsons or the Morrises, but I wonder if we've ever had it in back-to-back drafts. I haven't, I need to look that up. That's interesting. Anyway, uh, like Keegan before him, I love that Chris had this like massive breakout at Iowa last season. As Raphael was talking about earlier, 20 points, eight rebounds, two assists, um, did drop off on three-point shooting. And, and really, I think, as I was starting to mention, I think that was a product of like his three-point attempts per game doubled. He was more heavily relied on, went from like the third or fourth leading scorer to being the dude, but came up like in, in his 40-minute-per-game numbers. Just about everything came up. And so I, I'm excited for this. What I love about the difference in Keegan was fourth. Was he fourth last year? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, like the the amount of investment you as a franchise are going to put in to the player drafted fourth versus here at 24 is so much different. And so as we were just hearing in that hit, like it's okay if, if it takes just a little bit of a minute, but you expect him to be able to be pretty productive right away with maybe the second unit, get, get him some time to get his sea legs under him but man to come under the tutelage of his brother who's been doing it for a year hang out that that just seems like a perfect fit i got a question for you isaac oh no there's another guy in this draft (laughs) that has been drafted that is a twin that hasn't been drafted yet that has been drafted oh that has been really yep i have no idea taylor hendrix is a twin no way i had somehow completely missed that well, my brother red shirt this year, but so I never thought of it until the whole conversation started. But there's three players in this year's wow. draft that are twins. Well, there's one set. four, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three, three <laughs> sets, four yeah. players. That's but crazy. Yeah. So Hen- Hendricks yeah. twin red shirted, but is he like a good baller? Like, what, where's his skill set? I'm red shirted this year, so. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there are injuries, and things could affect red shirting. Yeah, I don't think it was, I don't think it was a, an injury, but I do know that, that he is a twin. I do know that much. And I've heard that one of the reasons he went to Central Florida was because it was a package deal, and some of the, the bigger schools showed more attention to Taylor, not the brother. Mm-hmm. And... UCF was the one that treated them equally. So that's just what I heard. But well, he is we'll a see him, I do, I, I we'll see him in the Big 12 next year for sure. I keep forgetting they're going to the, yeah. to the Big 12. Wild. Yep. 
Yeah, we already got into that whole conversation, but that's, <laughs> yeah. like I said, separate. We need to do a separate special on that. All right, yeah. but for more on Chris Murray, let's go to Trent Condon of Locked on Hawks. Hawkeyes, rather. You got a versatile player that can shoot it from the outside, can play a little bit inside, and is built a little bit different. We break things down now. Of course, if you saw his twin brother play this past season for the Sacramento Kings in the NBA, you think, well, maybe we're getting a mirror image. The DNA is the same. They are different players. You start, Chris, he's a lefty. Keegan Murray is a righty, but also the way that they play. Keegan, a guy that could play inside a whole lot more, did that. And also defensively, a guy that could help out inside. Not the case with Chris, more of a perimeter-oriented player, a guy that has always shooted incredibly well from the outside. He can fill it up out there, played through an injury this season, and still averaged over 20 points per game. Not going to get a whole lot of show-me, not going to get a whole lot of pomp and circumstance. You're just going to get a good, solid basketball player. Good, solid basketball player. And he brought up the injury. Uh, how big was that, or how much of a factor was that, Isaac? What, you know, Was he playing through pain? Yeah, I mean, and and let's just say this about every basketball player ever. Every basketball player is playing through injury at some, you know, some level of cuts and nicks and bruises, right? But um, was never something that he allowed to be an excuse in any way this year. Like, it wasn't something that came up in press conferences or other stuff very often. Like, just kept doing it. And honestly, like, I know he's talking to the Iowa training staff about it, and internally they're doing those things, but... I love that he is just grinding away and still, you know, getting these kind of numbers, 20 points a game at eight rebounds, et cetera. And um, so that's great. And it was a left foot injury, correct? What do you know the specifics on it? I can't remember it off the top of my head. No, I know it was a foot injury, but 20 yeah. points and was it eight or nine rebounds. And if I'm not mistaken, the big team has the most guys drafted, right? Yes. Or, or it's up there. The big, so the production is there in a competitive conference, and he wasn't 100% healthy. If you just put all that together, then you have to feel very good about what, what, they, what they got and, and his upside, in a sense, which people are saying that he doesn't have such a big upside because of his age. So maybe he put up 23 and 10 if he were healthy. Yeah, and it's crazy to me that we, the juniors in college are now too old, you know, to have an, like just I can't I can't wrap my mind around it. But that's the game today, you know. I get it, but and we've seen countless oh, examples of that of people like I don't know, you know, he's so old, and then they fall to you know the twenties, and you get guys just going and doing work, and so like congrats to the Kings for this. All right, well, for more on Chris Murray's fit with the Kings, let's go to Richard Stamen of the Locked On NBA Big Board. As cliche as it is, Chris Murray to the Kings actually makes a lot of sense, and none of it has to do with his brother Keegan Murray playing for the Sacramento Kings. A lot of people seeing Chris and Keegan might think they're very similar players, but they're actually not that similar. Well, for starters, Chris is a lefty, but in the play style, it's actually pretty different. They're very similar defenders. I think Keegan was a better shot blocker, just a little compare and contrast. Keegan also was a better just creator for himself. He had better handles. He could find his spots more easily. Whereas Chris projects more as an off-ball threat. I think it would be great for both of them to be able to play together again. They're obviously very close. They're twins. I think that this is a great fit. You get defense. You get abilities to attack closeouts with Chris Murray. 
and he's going to have more open threes just by the nature of that team. I think Chris Murray helps teams get over the hump and helps be a ceiling raiser. I think he's going to fit in very well, and you add a free agent quality level uh, forward to this rotation right away. All right, 25th pick now on the clock here in our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special. Supposed to be the Memphis Grizzlies, but we've just learned a trade has been executed between the Grizzlies and Raptors. Now, here's how this one breaks down. It's a little bit of a mouthful, so bear with me. Memphis gets OG Ananobi in a 2028 second. Toronto gets Tyus Jones, a 2023 or this 2023 draft, 25th pick, and then 2024 first and a 2025 first. Let's get some reaction now from our Locked On NBA. NBA insider Howard Beck. I really don't want to be harsh on both of these franchises, but I'm really not sure what anyone's thinking on either side of, of this equation. The Memphis Grizzlies are likely going into this season without their star point guard, John Morant, for a third of the season, half the season. We don't know yet, but he will be suspended. There's never been a time that they've needed Tyus Jones more as a guy who's a phenomenal backup and a fill-in starter than there is right now. Not sure this is the right time to be parting ways with Tyus Jones. And yes, OG Ananobi is exactly the kind of player the Grizzlies need. And acquiring him, whatever it costs, I think is probably a a fair uh, conversation for them to have. But Tyus Jones plus three first-round picks, I kind of get it from their side. I don't get this at all really from the Raptors' side because – while they do have some needs potentially in terms of playmaking, they have Fred Van Vliet, who they can still resign. And I just got to believe that at the moment that you finally decide to trade OG Ananobi, who you have held on uh, for this long, despite half the league trying to pry him loose, I think you got to get more than three first round picks that are protected, that are likely to fall late in the draft and the key player in the deal that you're getting back I think has got to be better than a backup point guard as great as Tyus Jones might be well the Toronto Raptors now on the clock they've made the trade 25th pick going to be made by Toronto now keep in mind they took the 13th pick in our mock draft and they chose Michigan guard Kobe Bufkin what do you think they look for here best available certain positional lead where do you feel like the best choice Mm. would be for the Raptors it seems like they need like another need would be like protection around the rim, some rebounding. I'd go back to TJD on that. Maybe Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana could be uh, a solid choice there to give them some help in the front court. Yeah, I agree. Front court help would be at a, a position of need, but they just made a trade at the, at the deadline for Jakob um, Portal. So oh, I that's think true. That, so I think that that may not necessarily be their priority. But Masai Uriji has a track record of taking guys that fit a, just a certain, they have a certain look. Usually like these positionless, long-armed, athletic <laughs> wings. There are a few of those available. I think Bilal Koulibaly is someone that I would have taken in the lottery. He is someone that has literally come out of nowhere in the last 18 months. He would be an option there. Um, Maybe even Derek Whitehead. We're talking about a guy that was a projected top 10 pick coming into the season. The foot injury obviously slowed him down. And Toronto could take a flyer on him, and he can come in and provide some outside shooting at the minimum. All right, there you go. Well, let's find out what the pick is. Here's Locked on Raptors host Sean Woodley with his selection. 
With the 25th pick in the 2023 Locked on NBA mock draft, the Toronto Raptors are on the clock after a trade, and they're selecting Bilal Koulibaly, the wing prospect who has played alongside Victor Wembanyama over at Metropolitan since 92 over the last year and is very much a Raptors pick. Koulibaly, super athletic, very raw, but has spent the last year or so really rising up the ranks among scouts in the know and seems like the exact type of player who the Raptors love to go and target. Target, long, athletic, projectable, but still lots of rough around the edges to go and smooth out. The deal here, of course, is the headliner. The Raptors are acquiring this pick along with a one through four protected Golden State Warriors first rounder in 2024 and the Memphis Grizzlies own first round pick top four protected in 2025 in exchange for OG and Anobi and a 2028 second rounder. This deal for the Raptors carries a lot of risk. OG and Anobi is an excellent player. He's one of the best defenders alive just made the all-defense second team, and he's the type of player who, if you trade him, you might regret it for the next 20 years. But with the way the Raptors are situated, with the contract that OG Ananobi is going to be due for next summer, along with all the other money the Raptors are going to have to pay out to guys, including Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl, potentially Fred Van Vliet, and Gary Trent Jr. this summer, adding draft capital in exchange for OG Ananobi feels like the right move here for Toronto. Again, this could backfire completely. The fit for the Raptors could very well fall apart as Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, and Jakob Pertl remain as a very shooting-starved front court. but getting those three first-round picks added to the mix here for a team that was owing a first-round pick to the Spurs for next year from the Jakob Pertl trade, it seems like the type of move that the Raptors simply have to make to clear their decks a little bit, clear some money, and ensure that they can keep Scotty Barnes and keep building around Scotty Barnes as he moves into his prime in the coming year. 6-8 forward, Bilal Koulibaly, a big upside athlete, physical athlete. What do you like about him, Isaac? I mean, this is exactly what any NBA franchise is looking for in the like the back half of the first round. The youth, he's very he's younger, the high ceiling potential. And it's a great possibility. As Raphael said, like if he hits in the way that he's kind of projecting like his timeline to go, he could be a lottery level type guy. And so if you can get that at 25, yeah. That's a big win. Um, it, it's interesting to me because it goes back to that conversation we had about scouting in Europe and how difficult that is that we had a couple episodes ago. And you have to wonder, and Raphael, I'm sure uh, I'm curious if you have any insight into this. Like, what role does being Wemby's teammate have in helping him be noticed? I mean, I think it's, it, it it helps significantly because. Obviously, every NBA team is out in Wembenyama, and he's he's had opportunity to showcase his growth in front of every NBA executive. Hmm. But another thing that really helps his case is that the role that he's playing for the Metropolitan's 92 is very similar to the role that he's going to play in the NBA. He's scoring his hmm. points as a cutter, as an effort guy, knocking down open shots. As a he's defending and he's scoring in transition. And I think that the role that he's playing now is going to allow him to get on the court early. And then once he expands his game, then maybe he could end up being like a, a guy that you run offense through, you run plays through. So I think that's what's really helping his cases. One, he's playing next to Wimbayama, but he's playing as who he's going to be early in his career. So I see him as a plug and play guy, especially once he gets stronger. Hmm. 
One of the main comparisons I've seen between Koulibaly is OG Ananobi, who is ironically involved in this trade. Do you see that comparison, Raphael? Or who do you see Koulibaly Mm. potentially, you know, having a similar game to or emulating his game at? Not that he necessarily is intentionally emulating his game after. No, uh, but you know what I mean? I don't see the comparison because I think when OG was drafted, I think his main role for Toronto was to provide size and defense to stop LeBron. And that Mm -hmm. was like the guy that Toronto needed to, LeBron was the guy that Toronto needed to stop to to get through if they wanted to get to the finals. They ended up winning the championship when LeBron was gone. But I think OG was drafted as this this physical 3-4 wing potential, not stopper, but a guy that could match LeBron. I don't see a team drafting or, or them drafting Bilal as a guy that is going to have to depend, defend a three and a four and, and as to stop a particular player out east. So I don't get the comparison. I just don't get it's it. It's out there. It's out there quite a bit. Isaac, <laughs> yeah. what do you think? Who, I guess, that who do you would you compare him to, uh, current NBA player? I was trying to think about that uh, because he's, he's so young and so like kind of lithe does lively mean like skinny and you need to fill out i think that's what i'm looking for uh that that it's like i i feel like i want to like he along with Gigi jackson are like i believe the two youngest players in the draft is that correct Raphael? is anyone yeah i think younger? uh kate i mean i'm sorry cam whitmore is in that range they're that's all right. 18 years old yeah and so like th- there is this level at which i don't really fully know yet because to some degree um, like for a while averaging just like 18 minutes a game for his team. And so like waiting to see more of that before I feel like I'm able to make that uh, comp. Here's one thing I would say about him that I really love is that he's able to impact a game in a major way without having to have the ball in his hands. And that's something that you can play on my team any day of the week. If you don't have to be a ball dominant usage, high percentage type player to be in the lineup and impact the game in a big way. So comp or no comp, that is something that I really love about what he's going to bring wherever he goes. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I think it's a weird person is because like a three pound OG is yeah. naturally a, a bigger Weight guy, wise, yeah. and and Blau was not even two hundred pounds. So I think <laughs> that's why the comparison is a little off. Well, we've talked about a couple guys you need to put some meat on their bones. Maybe he's one that we send down to New Orleans. You know, get him eating good. <laughs> yeah, I mean New Orleans is a place. If you're trying to lose weight, that's not a place to go. But if you're trying to gain weight, just hang out on Canal Street. <laughs> that Popeyes alone on Canal will get you pounds on you. All right. For more on forward Bilal Kulabali, let's check in with Leaf Tulene of the Locked On NBA Big Board. At 25, the Toronto Raptors trade up to steal Frenchman Bilal Koulibaly, teammate of Victor Wenbenyama, the crown jewel of this draft class. But Bilal Koulibaly has put up stats for in his own regard, 11 points per game, four rebounds, and nearly two steals per game, shooting 73% from the line as a slasher, a 6'6 wing with tremendous upside. One of the younger players in the class, Bilal Koulibaly, is 18 until after the draft, born in 2004. 
someone who really could develop into a nice player on the Raptors, someone who can defend, can get in passing lanes, slash cut, and has budding shooting skills that are starting to shine through in a professional league, which I value very heavily. The fact that he's able to contribute on a winning team in a professional league as young as he is. I think he's someone who will rise up draft boards and the Raptors in this case, get a steal and Bilal Koulibaly, someone that will be able to impact the game down the road more so than immediately, but could have his impact sooner than most people perceive. Okay. 25th pick in the books. The last one for this episode will have the last five picks in the first round and just the last five picks in our locked on NBA mock draft. We're getting down to the wire. Is there anyone that surprises either of you guys that is still available? It's, it's almost like every time this question is, is asked, we keep talking about the same guy. It's, <laughs> and, right. and, and, and it's true. It's uh, Trace Jackson Davis. I yeah. think that Brooklyn missed out on him before, but now they can they can get him again. So he's the guy that that I'm shocked that is still available. I shouldn't say shocked. Because he doesn't space the floor. People are holding that against him. Mm. But he will be my next choice. Yeah. Uh, Whitehead, Dariq Whitehead that we've talked about from Duke is somebody that, uh, again, a lottery-level talent, injury-laden freshman year. Uh, I would be shocked if he didn't go off the board in the last five picks of this first round. I feel like sometimes people sleep on later, you know, once you get down towards later in the first round into the second round, I mean, just how prevalent is it, Raphael, that some of these guys will turn into big name talents? It's always tough because if you are late first round, more than likely you're going to a team that was one of the better teams and you may not have the opportunity to play. And sometimes those guys end up getting their, their, basically shining once they move to their second team because that opportunity is not there on the first team. So it's always it's always tough. But then if, if there's a guy that's a little older and more seasoned, then maybe he's able to come in and add to their, you know, to a team that's contending to their rotation. So it's it's just it's always tough for these guys in the back end back end of the first round. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Same thing, Isaac, anything to add? No, nope. making a face. No, nope. <laughs> not at all. I was just well, thinking. So you ahead. watch these guys. I mean, how much talent is still left? Are you oh. seeing players that you feel <laughs> yeah. like could have long, healthy or like I said, maybe even, you know, rise up in the NBA? Yes, 100 percent. Lots and lots and lots of talent. Here, here's the thing. Here's the problem with it, Kylan, is there's so many guys that we put this first round moniker on. Mm -hmm. That when we get down to it, it's like, oh, man, how has he fallen this far? Well, I don't know if you guys are aware how math works, but when you only have 30 (laughs) picks, you can only pick 30 guys in those 30 picks. It's just simple kindergarten math there. And ultimately, guys that we kind of grade as first round talents are just going to get elbowed out just because there's so many high level talents. So absolutely, there there are guys to be found uh, in uh, like to, to Raphael's point. Let me say this. There's going to be guys that are probably going to get a better opportunity being picked at the beginning of the second round because they're going to a worse team than maybe guys that are a little bit more ready or better or have a higher ceiling to get picked at the end of the first to these better teams. And so that's something to watch. And obviously we won't get that far on our mock draft. We're just going one round. But that's just something to keep in mind with um, opportunity. 
Yeah. Yes. Or you may have to take the Jordan Poole route. Jordan Poole was a late first round That's pick. Right. He yep. ends up going to a good team. But luckily for him, the Warriors had that stretch where they had a bunch of injuries and he mm-hmm. had the, the opportunity to grow and develop. And then once they got healthy again, he became a key part of their rotation, won a ring and $100 million. That's like really the best case <laughs> scenario for a late first round. Yeah, so still lots of talent, still lots of talent available. And certainly some of those guys could potentially follow that path. Once you get that opportunity like Jordan Poole did, you know, take advantage of it. And, and, you know, there's a chance to make that next step and make the bag at the end of the day. All right. Well, that does it for episode five of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft special presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The grand finale of this entire mock draft is coming up in our next episode. The Charlotte Hornets and Indiana Pacers set to make some picks or could more trades come down to the wire? We'll find out in our next and final episode. And don't forget, you can find the entire special on both audio and video at the Locked On NBA and Locked On NBA Big Board podcast feeds. For Rafael Bar- Carlo and Isaac Shade. I'm Kylan Mills. We'll see you for the last episode of our special. This is Locked On Network, your team every day.